I want to talk uh, just a couple of minutes how to improve your marriage. There it is. That was it. That was the. I just want you to have a better marriage. I want you to win in marriage. Uh, I believe there's hope for your marriage. I really do. And I'm, I've been praying for you all week that God would just give hope today to every married couple. And um, b- before I pray, I want to just tell you this story. Stay with me one more minute. Uh, I asked my dad, my parents have been married 43 years. And uh, I asked my dad, I said, dad, what's one of the biggest fights you've ever gotten into with mom? And he goes, oh, it was after our first marriage conference. I said, what do you mean? He said, dude, I got in the car. I was so hyped. I thought, I don't know who that preacher was talking to, but not to us. We're awesome. Like we got a great marriage. He was talking to all the other idiots and he's driving down the road, you know, leaving marriage conference thinking, oh man, that was not for us. And after a couple of minutes, he hears some sniffling and he looks over and my mom's just bawling. And he goes, honey, who died? She goes, our marriage, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and uh, he goes, well, I realized we, we had some work to do. Uh, uh, hello. Okay. Let me just say to all the husbands, don't listen to me today and think, oh man, I hope she's listening. Let her have it, Jabin. Oh, Jesus, open her heart, Jesus. No. All the wives, don't elbow your husband. Don't bump him. And don't even pray for him. I want you to pray for yourself because I believe God wants to talk to you, okay? And so I'm going to pray over the word and I want you to join me and uh, in, your, in your own heart, just asking the Holy Spirit to talk to you, okay? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak so clearly to every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus said what God has joined together. I just want you to know that God is passionately committed to your marriage. The people come to Jesus in Mark 10 and they're basically looking for reasons to divorce their spouses. Can we, can we do it for this? Can we do it for this? Well, the law says this. Well, Moses said that. And he said, listen, it is God's plan that you stay together. This is a God thing. Marriage is a God thing. It's not a cultural thing. It's not a cultural idea. It's a God idea. And I want you to just get this in your head today. God is joining together. God is bringing together. God is bringing you closer. If you could imagine it like this, I want you to imagine Jesus in the middle and he's got your hand and he's got your spouse's hand and he is doing everything in his power to bring you together. He is committed to your marriage. He wants to see you win in marriage. He wants to see you enjoy your marriage. He wants to see you happy in your marriage. And he is committed to seeing your marriage win. But there is another one. He said, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So that means that God is joining, but there are people, there are mentalities, there are spirits, there are is a cultural idea. There are outside forces and outside voices and inward issues. And those things are trying to separate. So you just got to know this today that 
If you feel like your marriage is in a place of separation, that is not God. God's trying to bring you together, but there are some things and maybe some people and maybe some ideas and maybe some cultural norms that are now in our culture that are trying to separate. And now the question is, well, is divorce ever an option? Of course. Listen, you can't live with someone that's beating you up. That's putting you in danger, putting your kids in danger? Of course not. If there's been sexual misconduct, if there's been adultery, you need to go to counseling and you need to prayerfully consider if you want to move forward with the marriage. And you have the right to leave if they've broken that covenant. So there are reasons to divorce, but they're very few and they're very far between. So 50% of marriages are ending in divorce. Las Vegas has the highest divorce rate in America. Think about that. 50%. So are 50% of marriages ending because people just married a terrible person and you're like, yes? No. Sometimes. Sometimes you end up meeting, marrying someone and you find out that they've got inward issues and They've got different brokenness in their life. They're fighting different demons and stuff is going on. And you find out, man, this is not the person that I thought I married. You find out they're unfaithful. You find out they're violent. You find out different things about them. You find out that they're abusive. And so, yes, that can happen, but that's not, that's not the 50%. Here's what I believe. I believe that most marriages fail because it's hard work. And you didn't think it was hard work. You thought it was going to be like the notebook. (laughs) You thought it was going to be like the Titanic until you feel like Rose has left you sinking. You know what I'm saying? Like you you thought it was just going to be romance and sex and fun. And and that is a part of marriage. But marriage is hard work, y'all. It's not easy. If it was easy, more people would stay married. So I I think that we just have this idea. I'll never forget there was this old story of two old men sitting on the front porch and there was a younger guy there. The younger guy tells the two older men, yeah, when I get married, my wife is going to cook dinner for me every night. When I get married, we're going to have sex whenever I want. And when I get married, I'm going to make sure that house is always spotless. And when I get married... I'm going to make sure she's going to have as many kids as I want her to have. And when I get married, and and finally the older man looked at the other older man and said, do you want to tell him? (laughs) And the other older man looked back at him and goes, let him find out. (laughs) I think we just have this idea. And marriage isn't necessarily, well, it's not hard. I mean, the things that my wife and I were told about marriage, I mean, were terrible. People were trying to talk us out of it and are you sure and uh, I mean no but it is hard work and especially if you want to stay married for a long time and especially if you want to actually be happy it's going to take hard work listen marriage only works if you work marriage only works if you do if you don't want to put in the work it's not going to work If you don't want to put in the time, it's not going to work. If you're not going to put in the effort, it's not. Marriage doesn't just automatically work. It's like a vehicle. You've got to keep it up. Well, we've fallen out of love. Well, yeah, but you've also run out of gas. 
When you run out of gas in your car, you don't go, well, that's it, need to go buy a new one. <laughs> and, and let me just say this. If you're going to be married 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, there are going to be times where the warm and fuzzies go away. And you're going to have to work on it. I've noticed that usually opposites attract, then you get married, and opposites attack. I just, he's such a free spirit. He's just really, he's teaching me to dream until you see his bank account. Until you find out how he spends money. She's just so structured. She just, I mean, she really has a good head on her shoulders until she wants to know how you're spending your money. And then it's, she's controlling, man. <laughs> the thing that attracted you to them is usually the thing that will cause you to attack them later on in your marriage. You've got to be able to work on this. So let me just give you three ways to improve your marriage today. I, uh, right now, I believe your marriage can get better right now. Here's the number one. Refuse to listen to the voices of separation. Refuse to listen to the voices of separation. Okay. Every one of us in this room has friends that, <laughs> that are going to be biased towards you. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You need some friends that you are innocent till proven guilty. And even if you're guilty, you're still innocent because we friends. All right. I talked about that last week. So we all have some friends that, are, that have a, a bias towards us. But you need to make sure that that's not the only voice speaking into your marriage. It's like if you're a newlywed, dude, don't call mama when you get in a fight. Because mama don't trust her yet. And mama still sees you as her little mijo. Hey, mijo. I knew she was no good for you, mijo. You come home, I'll cook you dinner. She's being a good mom, but she's probably not helping your marriage. I am, I am convinced the reason Shannon and I are married today, we'll celebrate 12 years. <laughs> to think about that. We'll celebrate 12 years in August. The reason I believe we're married is because we got married away from family. So when we fought, we couldn't run home to mom. We just had to go to different rooms and work it out. It's okay to have biased voices in your life, but you also need, check this out on the screen, you need non-biased truth tellers. You need non-biased truth tellers in your life that will actually tell you the truth. Well, yeah, he's just this and he's that and he's this and he's that. And you need someone to look back at you and go, yeah, but where are you at? Are you nice? Well, I mean, how can I be nice with an animal like that? And I don't know. Yeah, but maybe. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying maybe they're not as wrong. And maybe you're not as right. And maybe you need a non-biased truth teller that can just look at you and, and, and tell you the truth. Like, like I look at Jay and Nadia. I've known these guys since they were probably in middle school. I only know them as Jay and Nadia. I couldn't even say Jay without Nadia. I couldn't say Nadia without Jay. I only know them as Jay and Nadia. 
even when they were dating other people in high school <laughs> to get at each other. Well, now I'm telling all your business, but you were in high school. Even then, it was still Jay and Nadia. I just, so I, I don't have a bias towards Jay or towards Nadia. I just see them as them and I want them to win. Okay? You need people in your life that can see you as a couple and go, I'm not going to separate my love for them from this situation. And I'm going to talk very truthfully to you. You got a guard. Now, it's not just people. It's spirits. It's ideologies. It's even TV shows. You got to be careful. You've got to be careful to, to, that there aren't things that you're watching that are actually undermining your commitment. Because if you watch TV, single people are having sex, married people aren't, even though that is a total lie. Married people have more money, married people have better sex, married people are happier. This is all proven. Y'all don't believe me, but it's proven. (laughs) Overall, it's proven. But that's not what culture's feeding you. So you've got to be careful. So here's how the the Bible says it, Proverbs chapter 4. Guard your heart. Be careful of what's coming in, for everything you do is going to flow out of it. You've got to be careful what is coming in, because whatever is coming in is going to go out. Guard your heart, man. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart against that woman at work. Guard your heart against that person at the gym that you just kind of always, you're just always there. Oh, look at that. We just had the same elliptical again. How are you doing? Praise God. No, I'm not. No. Praise the Lord. He's a jerk. Praise God. Guard your heart. Well, I got to go to the gym. Find a new gym. Work out at home. I heard you can do push-ups. I can't do them, but I heard. Guard your heart. You got to guard your heart against flirtation. You got to go, it's just flirting. It's not. It's, it's going in and it's undermining your marriage. Guard your heart. Guard your heart against people. Guard your heart against voice. Dude, don't leave work and go to the bar with five dum-dums drinking beer talking about how bad women are. You're not going to go home in a good mood. You're not going to go home married, uh, uh, committed to your marriage. You're not going to go home loving your kids. You're going to go home with a buzz. You're going to go home angry. You're going to go home with a beer belly. You're going to go home with, with an automatic funky attitude towards your wife. Because you're letting those voices in. And women, you do it too? Get along with your girlfriends? Men are pigs. Men are pigs. You can only say that so many times before you believe it. All right. And if you're married and you hang around single people who are mad, oh, yeah, dog, just leave. I mean, my life's never been better now that I'm single, that I got rid of her. Yeah, yeah, I'm living with my mama, but, man, I'm telling you I'm free. How's that going, dude? Play Fortnite all night. You're 30. You need to stop. Okay. (laughs) Refuse to listen to voices of separation. 
Number two, refuse to speak the language of separation. Okay. You always. <laughs> you never. You're separating. You always forget important events. <laughs> Don't elbow your husband, lady. You never prioritize this. You always want sex. You never want sex. <laughs> you you got you to get that out of your head. You got you to stop. Because it's not true. It's actually not true. It's actually not true. So don't say lies. <laughs> we talked about that last week. If you start lying, you'll believe your own lies. And if you start lying against your spouse, you'll actually start believing those things. Okay. Look at this, Proverbs 25, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Jabin, what does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds fancy. Here's the point. <laughs> Choose your words wisely. The message paraphrase says, it's like a beautiful piece of jewelry. Use your words wisely. Don't, don't just spout off. Think before you speak. Refuse the language of separation. Um, when my wife and I first got married, we found something out about ourselves that when we were fighting, I wanted to fix it. And when we were fighting, she wanted space. Y'all know what I'm saying? So I'm chasing her. Hey, we just need to work this out. Can't let the sun go down on her anger. The devil's got a foothold. And she's going, I just need a bath. Like I just need to, I just need stress out of my life. I just need to go in the room and hide. And I'm knocking on the door, please let me in, we gotta work this out. <laughs> you, you gotta learn that. Okay, they need space. Now space can't turn into months, come on somebody. But, but sometimes it, it just has to be, just give me a second. Go on a walk. Don't just say whatever you're thinking, go on a walk. Cool off, jump in a swimming pool. Do something, take a shower, go to the gym, do something. And don't, don't, just, don't just say whatever you're thinking because everything you're thinking is not smart. Refuse the language of separation. And when you're gonna communicate, communicate needs in a positive way. Communicate needs in a positive way. So dude, you don't come home and go, hey, so Betty's got these really pretty nails, honey. You should do that too. You're dead. <laughs> you don't ever compare your wife to another woman. I was thinking about going blonde. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would be awesome because of so-and-so. You're done, bro. You're done. <laughs> You're six feet under. Don't ever say things like that. Ladies, don't, don't compare your man to another man. Hey, maybe you should try out those jeans like I saw so-and-so was wearing. No, no, don't ever do that. Learn how to communicate in a positive way. So you go home and say, girl, I love when you get your nails done. Makes me go crazy. Sexy. I love it. <laughs> Would you mind? Well, I don't have time this week. That's all right. I'll, I'll be thinking about it, girl, because I love you. <laughs> don't fight about it. Don't make it an issue. 
Learn how to communicate your, your wants and your needs in a positive, what is going on back there? In a <laughs> for everyone watching, we're in a cafeteria. Okay, um, learn how to communicate in a positive way. Don't just, don't just mouth off. Really think through what you're saying. Now, now, here's what Ephesians 5 tells us. It says, wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives. Isn't that amazing? Uh, now, for all my feminists in here, I'm so happy you are. That word submit doesn't mean you become a, a welcome mat and you just get walked on all the time. That's not what it is. That word submit actually means a voluntary attitude. Paul's just saying, just have a good attitude. It doesn't mean you're going to submit to everything he says. But it just means have a, have a voluntary attitude. Be up for it. Even if it's the dumbest idea ever. Let him talk about it. We're going to forget in two days. Amen. You know, baby, I was just saying we need to buy a boat. I'm just telling you. We need to go to Lake Mead every day. Don't just look at him and go, you idiot. Go, wow. Well, let's, well next month, let's look at the budget. Okay, yeah, yeah. we're going to, in two days, we're over the boat. Just have a voluntary attitude. I'm going to tell the truth and shame the devil. Amen. Husbands, love your wives. Now, now listen, husbands, you got to be loving. It's hard for us to be loving. Now, now, men want honor. That's all we want, ladies. We just want honor. We just want to feel like a king. Now, I know that sounds terrible, but it's the truth. That's why whenever a man walks by a mirror, he could be 400 pounds. He looks just... want some honor and you and you got to learn to show us that honor now you don't you don't need honor you need love so it doesn't make sense to you but we just need some honor you just you just got to show a little love you just got to show a little honor you just got to show a little respect that's why a, a man's number one sexual need is to know that he's satisfying his wife that's the number one sexual need we have that do good <laughs> How stupid that we even ask, huh? And we do. Look over. How's that, baby? What are we thinking? It's just who we are. We just want some honor. Y'all know it's, I, you feel like I'm a prophet on you. You're like, how did he know? Oh my God. Because we're all the same. But women need love. So, so look at this on the screen. Wives, speak to your husband with a tone of honor. Husbands, speak to your wife with a tone of love. An overall tone that brings you together and doesn't separate. It's a tone. It's a, it's a tone of voice. It's a, it's a, it's a look. It's, a, it's so much bigger than you think. And guys, we don't understand it because we don't need it. And ladies, you don't understand it because you don't need it. And I think God did it this way because it causes you to actually have to work at your marriage. Number three, refuse to give any place to the separator. Refuse to give any place. Married couples, refuse to give any place to the separator. Ephesians chapter four, don't give any place to the devil. Bible said it like this, don't go to bed angry. Now, that doesn't mean that physical night, sometimes the best thing you can do 
is just go sleep on it. Amen. Okay. Doesn't mean you're up till 4 a.m. trying to talk it out. What it means is we're not going to live our lives with unresolved conflict. Can I get an amen? So, so sometimes the best thing to do is go, okay, let's go to bed. Let's cool off. Let's talk in the morning. And, and a lot of fights end up being, what were we fighting? Aren't we fighting? What are we fighting about? You just, you got to let it go. But there are sometimes, don't let that conflict continue to build. So Paul's saying, address the conflict. Don't let anger into your marriage. Don't let a tone of anger into your marriage. Because here's what will happen. You will give a place to the devil. First of all, devil. He didn't say Satan. He didn't say Lucifer. He didn't say the enemy. He didn't say the thief. He said the devil. The devil is an amazing word. It comes from the Greek word diablos. It means slanderer, accuser, one who separates. Check this definition out. The word devil means author of evil. If you give the devil a place in your marriage, all he's going to do is talk about your spouse. He's just going to talk. She doesn't love you anymore. She doesn't honor you. She doesn't care about you. He's nicer to other women. He does this. He does that. And all he's going to do is slander your spouse. All he's going to do is accuse your spouse. That's actually what Revelation chapter 12 says. It says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Where is he going to start that with? He's going to start it with your spouse. He's going to accuse and he's going to be an author of evil. That means he's not only going to share facts with you, he's also going to make up scenarios. He's going to be the author of evil in your relationships. And if you don't address conflict and if you don't address anger in your marriage, if you give a voice to the separator in your marriage, the only thing that he's going to do is he's going to speak words of separation. And then the Bible says it like this, you're going to give him a foothold. That word foothold means a place, a geographical location, a marked off location. It's like to be stationed in the military. Have y'all ever met someone who's been stationed at Nellis? Yeah, that's, their, that's where they're stationed. Imagine demons in hell talking to each other. Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, stationed over to 97 Main Street. Yeah, with that, yeah, they just won't resolve their conflict. So now I have a place there. Think about it. If you don't work on this, you let the devil have a station, have a geographical location, have a home base in your home. And it's not going to show up with, you know, weird supernatural occurrences and lamps falling and, you know, stoop. No, no, no. It's going to show up. He's going to start talking to you. And he's going to convince you that the marriage is hopeless. Now, here's another thing that you've got that, where you can't give it a, a place. Ephesians 6 tells us, Jorge, come up. I got to finish. Ephesians 6 tells us that we put on the full arm, armor of God. Listen, so that on the day of evil, you will be able to withstand. Listen, not every day is the day of evil. I believe your marriage should have more good days than bad days. 
I believe that our life should have way more good days than bad days. I don't believe every day is a fight. Every day should be a struggle. Every day should be a new issue. Come on, somebody. We believe God is good. And we walk in his abundance, his blessing, his prosperity, his breakthrough, his miracles. But how many know there are days of evil? There are seasons where your marriage comes under attack. One of the, one of the greatest things that you're going to have to learn how to do as a married couple is recognize we're in, a, we're in a season right now. It's not you, it's not me, but we're in a day of evil. And we have to be able to recognize it, put on the full armor of God, and combat it. Some of you right now, you're going, oh my God, that's what it is. We're under attack. And you're going to have to learn how to fight the fight of faith in that season. And sometimes it's not just the day of evil. Sometimes it's just a crazy season. You know what I'm saying? It's just busy. It's just life. It's just, it is what it is. And in those seasons, you have to recognize your season as a married couple and figure out, okay, the, the strategy for last year is not working this year because we're carrying something new. Like that's happening uh, for my wife and I right now. We've never been senior pastors. We've never had to deal with the pressures we're dealing with. I've never felt the spiritual pressure that I feel. She's never felt the, the, the natural pressure of running the church and doing that. And then we have a child and we're trying to buy a home and we're trying to find a building for the church and blah, blah, blah. And so there's so many things. We're, we're in a season of date night has to be priority. Connection has to be a priority. Conversation has to be a priority. Prayer has to be a priority. We, we have to carry something we've never carried before. And we can't ignore it. You actually have to address it, maybe in your life. Maybe it's a new work schedule. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's less money. Maybe it's new blessings. Maybe it's new adversity. Whatever it is, you have to be able to recognize it, grab your spouse's hand and say, we're getting through this. We're in, a, we're in a, either a day of evil or we're in a day of increased pressure. And what the enemy will always do in transition, I could, I could preach, I preached it on the road for years. Anytime you see major transition in the Bible, you see a major warfare. Every time. Every time there's transition, there's a fight. Every time there's a breakthrough, there's a fight. Every time there's a crossing over, there's a fight. It's, it's all through your Bible. So you just recognize it. And then you hold each other close and say, we're not going to let go. Because what God has joined together. We're not going to let anyone, any outside force, separate it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen to God's word? Come on, put your hands together. Amen.